Summer's just around the corner, so give your body the care it deserves with Osea's best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Created by infusing Andaria seaweed in barrels of botanical oils, it leaves skin silky soft and glowing. Plus, it's clinically proven to improve elasticity and deeply moisturize without feeling greasy. It's safe, clean, vegan skincare. Get 10% off your first order at oseamalibu.com with code GLOW, plus free shipping on orders over $60. In 1501, an unknown writer painted a scandalized picture of life at the Vatican court. What depravity! Incest, filth, no house of debauchery, no brothel is less decent. At the time, many pamphlets condemned this excess, often in violent terms. Blame was placed on one family, the most prominent family in Christendom, the Borgias, who had reigned over the church for nine years. Rodrigo, the father, became Pope Alexander VI, in the summer of 1492. As the Vicar of Christ, he had spiritual authority over kings. And his four children, Giovanni, Cesare, Lucrezia and Geoffrey, played the power games alongside him. Borgia. The mere mention of this name evokes a litany of imagined evils. Plots. Poison violence, lust, and blood. The scandalous legend that has surrounded this family since the Renaissance is particularly cruel to the only female sibling. Femme fatale, manipulator, poisoner, Lucrezia is accused of every vice. Her terrible reputation, started by tales spread by her family's enemies, is particularly stubborn. Victor Hugo's play, Lucrezia Borgia, performed for the first time in 1833, is largely responsible for this. Oh, curses on Lucrezia Borgia, she fills my soul with horror, exclaims the hero, Gennaro. In the final act, he stabs Lucrezia. During her last breath, she reveals that he is actually her son by incest, a complete fabrication that has all but erased the reality. Behind all this slander and these made-up stories, who was the real Lucrezia Borgia? You're listening to Echoes of History, Behind the Legends, the podcast that tells you the true stories of some of history's most legendary heroes. As the Assassin's Creed franchise turns 15, travel back through 2,500 years of history to meet the men and women whose destiny led them to greatness. Uncover their stories and bring their legends back to life. Episode 9, Lucrezia Borgia. Originally from Spain, 
The Borgia family earned their status by helping recapture the peninsula from the Muslims. Alfonso Borgia was the first to join the church. He was Bishop of Valencia before becoming Pope Calixtus III in 1455 and introducing his nephew, Rodrigo, to the papal court. Nepotism was common practice at that time. Nobody really questioned a pope favouring his own family. I mean, no one really questioned a pope. Thanks to his uncle, the ambitious Rodrigo enjoyed a meteoric rise. As a cardinal and vice-chancellor, he was the second most powerful man in the Vatican, just behind the Holy Father. By the age of 26, he amassed a considerable fortune and, with it, influence. But he was still too young to seek the papacy himself. As he waited his turn, he influenced the conclaves. With his money and negotiating skills, he was a kingmaker. In 1470, Rodrigo met the beautiful Vanozza Catanai in a tavern in Rome. Their love affair lasted for years. It was common for the high clergy to reject celibacy at this time. A papal bull of 1486 even had to remind members of the church that they couldn't run a brothel, as if you'd need reminding of that. Like a royal couple, Rodrigo and Vanozza spent happy days together in Subiaco Abbey. It was in this small town not far from Rome that Lucrezia was born on the 18th of April 1480. In line with her father's wishes, she received a good education and visited the Orsini Palace, where she discovered the inner workings of royal courts and society life. On the 11th of August 1492, then over 60 years old, Rodrigo Borgia's scheming paid off. After buying several votes in the conclave, he became Pope Alexander VI. From then on, Lucrezia's fate was sealed. At just 12 years old, the much-loved little girl became her father's political tool. At the time, Italy was made up of powerful city-states that constantly fought to expand their influence. Alexander VI was determined to weigh in on this complex diplomatic game. With Lucrezia, he had a valuable bargaining chip, which is a lovely way to think of your daughter. The Pope's daughter was excellent marriage material, and there was no shortage of suitors. Negotiations had been underway for several months with Cardinal Ascanio Sforza, who represented the interests of the powerful Duchy of Milan in Rome. On the 9th of June, 1493, Giovanni Sforza, Lord of Pizarro and Gradara, crossed the Porta del Popolo in Rome to the cheers of the crowd. He was a 26-year-old, nondescript condottieri for whom the young Lucrezia felt nothing. But their marriage, which was celebrated three days later, gained her father an important ally. And the contract included a dowry of 30,000 ducats. Lucrezia was only 13 years old, but she made the best of it. She didn't mind her peaceful life at Gradara Castle on the banks of the Adriatic Sea with this sweet man. The diplomatic situation 
changed dramatically in early 1494. Troops sent by young Charles VIII, the King of France, crossed the Alps. The king, with an army of 30,000 men, claimed his rights to the Kingdom of Naples over Frederick of Aragon. The French were soon at the gates of Rome, and the Pope had to take refuge in Castel Sant'Angelo. As the Sforza family supported the French monarchy, Alexander VI worked to end the alliance. He grew closer to the Kingdom of Naples and called his daughter back to his side. He already had another marriage in mind for her. Giovanni went to Rome with Lucrezia. In the eyes of the Borgia clan, he was now merely a cumbersome spouse. But assassinating a Sforza in this context would have had disastrous consequences. Murder was therefore not an option, which is always nice to hear. Lucrezia's older brother Cesare skillfully spread a rumor of a murder plot against Giovanni. The young woman warned her husband, who quickly fled. Alexander VI was now able to annul their marriage. The negotiations took many months. Tired of being a pawn of men, Lucrezia decided to withdraw from the world, seeking peace at the Dominican convent of San Sisto. Soon, armed men working for the Borgias desecrated the convent and tried to kidnap her. The Mother Superior managed to assert her authority and protect her. After that, Alexander VI sent letter after letter to his daughter, pleading and trying to persuade her to come back to him. Lucrezia remained indifferent. But she remained her father's greatest asset in his political maneuverings. To achieve his goals, the Pope devised a wholly immoral ruse. He made his vice Camolengo, Perotto, act as a mediator between himself and his daughter. And this handsome man wasn't chosen by chance. The Pope planned for Lucrezia to fall under his spell. Perotto met regularly with the young girl. One day, he had the difficult task of informing her that her brother, Giovanni, had been killed. His body had been pulled out of the Tiber River. Lucrezia consoled herself in the arms of the young messenger. She fell pregnant and could no longer stay in the cloister. The pregnancy uprooted the family's entire strategy. On the 27th of December, 1497, the young woman had to stand before a church tribunal to prove she was a true virgin. This was the price to pay for her marriage to Giovanni Sforza to be annulled. But with her rounded stomach, it was difficult to believe that the marriage hadn't been consummated. And what prince would agree to marry a woman about to give birth to a bastard? Excuse my French. Cesare Borgia flew into a murderous rage. He tracked down his sister's lover in the papal palace. Perotto fled to the Holy Father. Sat on his throne, the Pope wrapped him in his mantle. But Cesare's vengeful blade sliced through the cloth, which was soon drenched in blood. Before the judges, Lucrezia 
then six months pregnant, wore a dress tailored to hide her curves. Thanks to her clever attire and the deference of several cardinals, she regained her diplomatic virginity. The Borgias could devise a new matrimonial alliance. Giovanni Sforza endured the worst humiliations. But a few thousand ducats helped him come to terms with it, and to clear his name, he spread rumours. His wife never offered herself to him because she was saving herself for her father and brother. This act of retribution gave rise to the reputation for incest that Lucrezia has been saddled with for centuries. In the game Assassin's Creed Brotherhood, the young woman is depicted as a fickle and voluptuous seductress consumed by her various schemes. The hero, Ezio, surprises her, passionately kissing her brother Cesare. A few minutes later, he catches her in the act again, this time in the arms of another man. This biased historical account is the work of men, and Lucrezia Borgia is the only victim. On the 21st of July, 1498, Lucrezia married her second husband, Alfonso of Aragon, Duke of Biscaglier and Prince of Salerno. Through this union, the Borgias forged a new alliance, this time with the powerful kingdom of Alfonso II of Naples. Politics aside, it was a happy marriage. Alfonso was handsome, cultured and only a little younger than Lucrezia, who was 18 at the time. A baby named Rodrigo, named after his maternal grandfather, was soon born. But their happiness was short-lived. In one of those astonishing about-turns that the Borgias had a knack for, they decided to align with Louis XII, the King of France, who had his eye on the Kingdom of Naples. Lucrezia's new husband found himself in the same situation as Giovanni, his predecessor. After surviving one assassination attempt, Alfonso was strangled to death on the 18th of August 1500 by Micheletto Correa, Cesare Borgia's right-hand man. Hiding in Nepi, north of Rome, Lucrezia was overcome with grief. In just a few years, she had lost a brother two husbands and a lover, all sacrificed on the altar of her family's ambitions. When she wrote to her father, she called herself La Infelicissima, the wretched woman. Alexander VI and Cesaro Borgia were sympathetic, but the clan's interests came above all else. Especially given a new opportunity had arisen, Alfonso d'Este, Duke of Ferrara had been widowed. The wedding sealing the union between the Borgias and Estes was celebrated in December 1501. A few weeks later, on the 2nd of February 1502, Lucrezia rode her white horse into Ferrara. Her sad reputation preceded her, and the curious crowd spied on every move made by the so-called Whore of the Vatican but they were captivated by her endless charm. Far from Rome, and therefore her family, and under the protection of the Duke, the young woman could finally reveal her beautiful soul in this peaceful fiefdom. 
The terrible rise of the Borgia clan ended with the death of Alexander VI on the 6th of August, 1503. Freed from her family's ambitions, Lucrezia became an important protector of the arts. By funding artists, including the young Titian, she enhanced the duchy's cultural influence, and poets sang her praises. Which is weird for poets, they usually write stuff down, not sing. On the 24th of June, 1519, at the age of 39, having just given birth to a little girl, Lucrezia drew her last breath after three weeks of agony. In the twilight of her life, she had chosen to observe the precepts of poverty taught by St. Francis. Through this sincere piety, she probably sought to expunge the sins of her family, who'd used her as a pawn. She had been a victim, subject to the whims of men, a victim of her own family, who bequeathed her an evil reputation, but a family from which history is gradually extricating her. The Borgias didn't deserve Lucrezia. Thanks for listening to Echoes of History, Behind the Legends, a Ubisoft podcast produced by Paradiso Media.